We just need to talk loud today. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I'm Liz. I'm Naomi. And we're the Ryan Galloway Girls. And we are so excited to be back with you on Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday well, morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So today we have a really kind of fun uh, topic we wanted to start with. We were chatting about like, how do you pick? How do you predict what you're going to run a marathon in. And how do you set a goal from season to season? And this all started because I sent um, Aaron and Sarah both like kind of achievable goals based on their best times. And for Mountains to Beach. For Mountains to Beach. But also taking into account their current fitness and what happened in their most recent races. So uh, I did a lot of math, which I love. And um, it's very exciting. Um, I really, truly believe Erin has the ability to go under five hours at Mountains to Beach, which is so exciting. Her, okay, so I did all of her calculations. She went out in an 11-minute negative split in Marine Corps and was, like, crushing the last couple of miles. And so I based her... Uh, so in a marathon, you can do just says three to five percent improvement. I've heard two to four percent improvement cycle to cycle. So that when you're in the five hour range can be a lot of minutes. And it's really, really, really hard to remember that a number of minutes does not equal percentage right. once you get faster because it can feel kind of like, oh, I only dropped three minutes. I dropped 40 minutes last time. Well, yeah, when you drop 40 minutes, when you go from like a 430 to a, you know, 350, but you can't drop 40 minutes again in the <laughs> next cycle. <laughs> well, and the big thing too is those, it's those first few marathons. Those first few, um, you know, are kind of. They teach your body how to survive it. Yes. And so, and you, but you also can make so much improvement, not just the marathon, but every distance you're making, you can make huge strides. For a few years as you basically just build an aerobic base, period. Well, and it, it all depends on where you're starting, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, I ran in the half marathon. My debut half was, it, I mean, pretty good. It was a three, uh, it was a 157. And like, I was kind of stuck right in the 150s, 153 for years because that was kind of at my base ability. I wasn't doing any targeted speed work. So, you know, there's, there is a lot of like, depending where you're at, you know, if you're closer to those, you know, eight minute miles, you're not going to have these huge improvements once you're there, because it's just, you have to run so much faster, um, you know, over overall. Um, but anyway, it's really exciting. So, um, I did Erin's improvement. What I did is I did a whole chart for her and I said, this is what, based on your time, this is what two to four percent looks like. Based on doubling your back half, which is I felt was a really good, you know, I, I think that's possible for her to just take that time and double it. Here's two to four percent off that. She yeah. dropped twenty four minutes. That was her double. That was her back half at her last at Marine Corps. So at Marine Corps, though, not an easy marathon. Marine Corps, a notoriously difficult yeah. back half of a marathon. Yeah. So I don't um, think people realize that because people think, oh, yeah. well, DC is pretty flat. It's it um, is the freaking concrete. It beats yeah. you the fuck up. And it's always hot. It's a hard race. It's also really crowded throughout the first half or first, you know, 
almost the whole thing. Yeah. It can be really crowded. So that can also make it a difficult race to Well, and all those hills race. are up front. And so yeah. at Marine Corps, if you take it out too fast at all, you yeah. are essentially taking a gun and shooting yourself in your own foot. <laughs> like, like in the first couple of half, the first uh, half of Marine Corps, you really have to take it out slow, but it's so hard because you've got like a little bit of an uphill that doesn't really feel bad and the crowd's pulling you along. And then you have this big downhill and then you have another little tiny uphill and then this like, okay, downhill. And then you have this giant uphill and you're like, and it's mild too. And you're like, oh my goodness. And then you have this huge downhill, like pretty much to mile four. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and then you have no more hills. You have just hard concrete. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. hard and concrete bridges. the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's super exciting. Um, so she could drop like 24 minutes. And I think Sarah could really, I think, achieve, like, realistically, a 423 is a really, really realistic goal for her. I think she was hoping to go under 420. I hope my calculations have, like really like solidified where she where right. she is um because yeah it's always bad to go into a marathon run a PR and be upset right. like that can just that can it's, just feel the worst and we want to help people prevent that it's great to have like this blind confidence that you can do it though mm-hmm. because otherwise you know yeah you could hold you could leave something on the table but at the same time a lot of times we've yeah we've in our own experience and other, other lots of people have experienced where they had this prediction or they had this you know number they were training for in yeah. mind and that number is just maybe just a little out of reach. And so the like the number of 420, sub 420 versus a 423 in someone's mind is going to feel like, oh, well, you know, like you want to hit this next, you want to chop off more time than that. Whereas like her PR now is what, a 428. Yeah. And so in her mind, she'd love to chop off nine minutes, but like that might just not be where she's at right now. And five minutes, nine minutes is an amazing, is amazing nine, PR. Nine minutes is 6%. That's a huge like, drop. It's just like or something like that. It's an outlier, it's, right? Exactly, and like it's definitely possible. Yeah, it's definitely possible. But I think also as you get a little bit older, you're like everything has to go right with training. Everything has to be balanced in your stress pie, and and you bring up a good point to going confidently, knowing that you're in shape for your goal. And I think that with experience, you can. When you're doing all the work and all the work is saying you're ready for this goal, absolutely go in with that blind confidence about it. And then just know on a perfect day, this is where I am. This is my shape. This is where I am. And then take the day for what it is. I think about my CIM and I truly stand by. I was in three I mean, I say 327, 325 shape. Like, I was yeah. I was Sub in that shape. Oh, yeah. I was in that shape. The day did not give me that, but I am so happy for those three minutes that yeah. I dropped. Yeah. Like two and a half. I, and I'm glad that, like, yeah, it didn't that day because it's also you saw everyone bonking around you, so you didn't. Yeah. Um, you didn't take it personally that, like, you did not break more time off that you well, had I also, the potential for. I also had multiple goals. I had my yeah. A goal of like perfect day. This is what I'm in shape for. B goal was I was going to, I was going to get a BQ and PR again. Right. And so that's what I did. You know, my B goal. Yeah. My C goal was that I was going to have a lot of fun and that I would 
like just enjoy the day. Yeah. And so no matter what the time said, but I also like I I know I do well on hot days though. So there's there's that too. Well, and I yeah, and that's always hard though to still like walk away with the oh, I'm just going to enjoy the day or, you know, yeah. or like Jeff tells us, upright, smiling, wanting, wanting to, to do, do it, it again. again. And that's something that we'll say because we need to be able to walk away and say, yes, okay, it was not at all my day. I do want to do this again. But I think, you know, most people, you're going to have, you know, at least a third of your races are not going to go great. That's yeah. that's going to be standard. And I mean, so if you're having amazing races every time you race, which I've had that for a long time, I've had other than marathon, I'll go out and have like an amazing day almost at every race I run. And I feel like, wow, I'm just like, I just am so good at racing or something. You know, there's this yeah. something in my those, head and like those fast twitch muscle fibers. Yeah. At anything under and marathon distance. So I feel like sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I, um, you know, maybe I'm due a bad race once in a while. And maybe that's just, <laughs> did you listen to swap yesterday? Yes, I did. Did you hear did you hear um, David talk about all his 400 calories of fuel yes, an hour? Yeah, 450 during because he an bonks at he's I like know. he's like I'm fast twitching. I just need more. And I was I, I was know. like I was like it's new. I'm like they have I need the same more. they have fuel. the same like um, heart metrics too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David so. and I are, are twinning, and I love that he's talking about his point to point. Yeah, 31 mile, and I'm like that's me. That's I love like a point to point. Like, that I makes know. it so fun. It was it was great. But, as soon as he started talking about that extra fuel, yes. extra fuel taking it early and taking way more, I was like, this is exactly the plan I've wanted Naomi to do. I get, um, I'm going to have to, yeah, fuel so, heavier. And and he talked a little about using caffeine during. And I haven't yeah. been doing that in the last few years because, like, with pregnancy, I wasn't doing caffeine. And then I just haven't brought it back in. Well, so I'm going to have to buy some caffeinated Yeah, Martins. I get some Martin. They don't taste as good. But um, I think they'll, they'll be all right. <laughs> Bummer. But, you know, he was talking about the other brand. I signed I signed us up to become nutrition oh. coaches with them. Oh, yay. Yeah. Awesome. It's there, it's a pay-for certification that opens in September. Anyway, awesome. super exciting. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to offer that service uh, to people um, and through the podcast, which is very fun. But back to setting marathon goals. Um, and... And the the tough thing about the marathon is you can't race multiple. You can't have a bad marathon and then say, yeah. I'm going to go and Redeem try this myself. again. myself. Now, nope. you can't do it. Both of us have tried. It cannot be done. <laughs> it cannot be done unless the day of the marathon that you run the first one, you decide to slow down two minutes per mile from your goal time or from your, like, you go to long run pace, right? And make it a long run. You can then do it. Yeah. You cannot decide at mile 16 of that marathon after racing 16 no. miles and then slowing down to go do it again. Uh, case in point, Marine Corps, <laughs> 2016, I ran a 401. It got really hot at mile 16. I slowed to 10-minute miles. I ran a 401. I was like, aha, I'll go race Richmond in 13 days. <laughs> That's a smart idea. I paid for my friend Colleen to run with me so that she paced me. She was a 3.30 marathoner at that point. She paced me. We had a great first half. Saw Naomi at about 22. Yeah. We were past <laughs> I ran a 406. <laughs> you cannot go. No. 
on its own without that story, running a 401 and a 406 within 13 days oh my gosh. is fucking badass. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds awesome. But I was so disappointed in both of those times when that's the first time I'd ever done that. So you cannot like go redeem yourself no. like your your body needs time to recover I also ended that season with a with a stress reaction in my yeah. foot and was off for six weeks and then I went and did dopey with like two weeks of running so now there is one example where I redeemed myself we had one it wasn't, it wasn't two weeks later it was oh no no it was five weeks but but it was yeah. because I switched Galloway. So yeah. I, I don't I honestly don't think if I had I, gone and I picked another race that fall, I, I would not have. I think five weeks five that. weeks is the minimum. I think five weeks it's, is the minimum. And I think truly, truly you can do a six week redemption. You, I think four yeah. is tough. And I think and three is is two, not, three, four is really tough. Five is five is kind of it with the with the asterisks of fall to late fall winter. Yeah. Not spring. Yeah, the temperature change. Temperature and then, matters. But five versus six and more weeks out, you're going to start to possibly lose some of the fitness you had. You're not at peak maybe anymore. And so, again, you know, there's the chance you'll have a redemption run. And, like, I have that one example that, you know, that I did, that we did together, our first yeah. marathon together, first time running together more than five miles, my first time doing Galloway. More than five miles. <laughs> I'd love to know and when you. I would love to know when you slowed down though in Steamtown, like pace was. Well, Steamtown. I'm eating on the podcast. <laughs> this is so unprofessional. We, you know, you got to fuel. We so Steamtown has this really drastic downhill eight miles to start you off with, uh-huh. and you. So you have a. You're gonna have a hard time holding back on that course. I think a lot of people have. I've heard comparisons to Boston. I don't know if Boston has a downhill eight miles like that. Downhill no, no, it's it's rollers the whole time. It's it's, oh. it's like CIM, and then you get into some Boston, rollers. Boston, uh, or not CIM, Boston Mountains Beach, Boston CIM, all very similar. Those hills everybody complains about in Boston are nothing. They're so short. You just like walk up them and then run fast down them and walk up it and run fast down. You don't lose any time by doing that. They're short. So They're, they are not. <laughs> like I was like, that's it. <laughs> Yeah. And like Marcy's like running, charging up. I'm like, see at the top, Marcy. And then I'm zooming down past her. And then I just walk up and she's like still running. And I like zoom down past her. I think I hit like 720s going down them. Yeah. Well, with with Steamtown, um, (laughs) it's a net downhill. Yeah. So, but you do. um, Yeah. So that trashed my quads for one. Yeah. And then also the the humidity the day was 72 or 73 degrees with high humidity. So that was really what slowed me down but what um you know for for that race it's one where the hills are pretty significant and it's a net downhill because it is a like it's a train that's why it's called Steamtown. it's a train um you know scranton's a train town and you're you're going part of it is on like what used to be a train downhill okay. for you know how like logger trains could start at the top of a mountain and bring you know what though down, you so. like you really bailed on your time at like at 12 which I oh, think yeah. is early enough. So I was just thinking like it was so like it was 20 minutes off your fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Like really you were yeah. you were in like that sub 4 355. I mean mm-hmm. obviously we ran a 350, but like you were in yeah. so 20 to 30 minutes off your fitness. It wasn't your fitness being at three three thirty five or three fifty five, and then running four hundred one, then yeah. trying to do it again, right? Your fitness right. was that three fifty five, three fifty. 
you ran a 420. And that's why you were able to go. Had you been 401, I don't know that a 350 would have happened because yes. you would have been so close to that red line, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. And the perfect- maybe, maybe a 358 would have happened, you know? Like, you would have had some improvement, but you were too close to that red line. Yeah. So that's where we have to be really careful about when we bail. Like, right. I wish I had all my data because I oh, I used to use um, – I used to use, uh, what was that? Oh, the Nike Plus app to like record all my runs. Like yeah. I didn't use a Garmin. So I don't have, I might actually have, oh, my phone is recording. So yeah. I can't even, <laughs> but I might actually have 2016. I think that's when I got a Garmin. Um, mm. But I didn't bail early enough in Marine Corps. Yes. And that's the other thing too. So. There's another perfect example of that is um, 2019 Mountains to Beach uh-huh. where I tried four weeks later Mm-hmm. Again, spring, not not smart because the weather warms it got up. Warmer, and also I was too close to my red line because at Mountains Beach I ran a three forty seven. You ran a PR essentially, almost a PR. Like I was exactly one minute off of my PR, and so I could have not made right. that much improvement going. I'm doing a new later. thing. I'm doing a new thing. If you are within, if your PR is whatever it is, if you are within one minute in a marathon and thirty seconds in a half marathon. Of your PR. You just say, oh, I ran my PR. Like that's, I ran around my PR. Yeah. Around my PR. Yeah. If you're one second faster, I ran a new PR. But if you were within like a minute, I ran around my PR. Yeah. Perfect. So now we've reframed that. So like anytime, and you know what? If you want to stretch it out to like three minutes even, I'm cool with that. We go like, you know, one and a half minutes in the half and three minutes in the marathon. That right. reframes, like, everything. Like, isn't that great? So then, like, when I ran my 401 and I had a 357, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, I was right around my PR. That's yeah. That reframes that into me, like, loving that race. Exactly. Right? So we need Being to start. So proud of that. We need to start mentally, like, like, doing that. Because what does, like, why do we celebrate? Why do we celebrate running one second or two seconds faster? And why are we devastated by being <laughs> a like literally a bathroom or, break slower? Right. right. Like, or like you decided to like watch a bird for a few seconds slower. Like why? <laughs> well, and that's why like they, you know, we have such a strange relationship in with like time and with numbers and to where if you go watch a marathon, you'll see um, all these people come in at the right under the three right under the 330, right under the four. And, but whereas like at 401, you'll see a couple of stragglers. We saw that like at, and at half marathons too, we saw that I was looking through like the times at Jeff's race and there's all these people finishing right under two. Yeah. And of course some were with the Pacers, but some were just like us, like doing our own thing. And then you see like a much less group, you know, much smaller amount of people at the next um, interval. And yeah. then under 405 or 410, yeah. whatever, you'll start to see groups again. But it's usually like within these blocked people have this thing where it's like you have to get into their time. And why? Yeah. Why? It's, Which is, it's so silly. It's, it's so silly. Yeah. Maybe that's why I've always felt like I was finishing races by myself when I was running 153s. Random times. Because like nobody, nobody's like, I'm going to go run a 153. Right. <laughs> that's nobody's goal. Their goal is 150 or under, or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or under 150 or 155. Yeah. Yeah. So we have some, so we're going to start with your first marathon, okay? Because just in case people out there are not experienced marathoners, when you're running your first marathon, how do you set a goal? 
because we say go out there and have fun and we're telling you run two minutes, two and a half minutes slower than goal pace. But what is that? How do you set that? You've run halves. Maybe you've even like me broke two hours. How do you set that goal? So I don't, I still am going to say up and down. And I think everybody in the world will agree with me. Don't set a time goal for your first marathon, but here's what you need to set a speed limit. A speed limit in the first half will absolutely help you along the way of your very first marathon. All right. So speed limit and how do you set it? You are going to go to Slate Magazine. You're going to type in Google Slate Magazine Marathon Marathon Predictor. Okay. It is going to give you a time unlike any other marathon predictor. They um, it, it came out in 2014. So what it's going to do is it pulls this old Runner's World predictor. Runner's World has since fixed theirs, but I still like the Slate Magazine yeah. one the best because it is one of the most conservative. I also found another one, and I can't remember what it was called, but it, it takes your gender into prediction, into account. And I put in our 155.20, and it, if as a woman, it gave us a 423, and as a man, it, it would give us a 430. And I have definitely seen that. Women yes. run their first marathons faster than men of equivalent half marathon times, which is just very, very interesting. All right. So you're going to use this Slate Magazine race predictor. You're going to put in your half marathon time. You're going to put in that it's an average course because I don't care like if it was a hilly course or a hard course or whatever. Just put in that it was an average course because the court probably if you're a Galloway runner, the course doesn't matter as much. Like, honestly, because you're going to run a little bit course-based. If it was truly a difficult, like, had sections of trail, a lot of vert, Jeff's race, I would put moderately to maybe, but I had already adjusted our time, so that's why I did a 155. So you're going to put that in. You're going to put it in your average number of miles a week. Now, my average number of miles a week for my first, like, years was under 30. So really... Counting those down weeks as average, I say 20 to 25, maybe even up to 30 as your average um, if you're a first-time marathoner. I don't know many first-time marathon plans that take you over that. Um, You're not putting in that peak week of 45, right, Right. or 35. You really need to bring it down for that average, and then you'll be able to get your time prediction. Now, I put in 155.20. It got with 25 miles a week. It got us a 427.10. I think that that is absolutely a perfect thing. So now that puts your marathon speed limit for the first half. You can throw your speed limit away after the half of, uh, what is that, about 10-minute miles. Right. So you're, yeah, it's basically. Don't go faster than 10.15. Now, if you are a 155 half marathoner, 10.15 sounds really slow for a race pace. But that's the point of this. The point is to prevent you from burning out because the last thing you want to do, and trust me, I have done it, is go out just a couple seconds under that half marathon time Mm -hmm. only to be walking in 11 and 12 minute miles at the end because you can't because your legs have stopped working. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I remember my very first, so I remember my very first, um, half marathon or my very first marathon training cycle. And I remember at mile 16 going up to like 17 miles for the long run. And like my legs would feel like 
they, even though it was doing Galloway, even though we were going slow, they would feel tight and like they didn't work. And then the next time we would be going 19. Every step that, of the way. That next time that feeling didn't come until mile 18, right? And so it kept pushing on and on. And and I even did, you know, a really long run. Um, I think I did 29 and that year. And it was still, it was just, it was crazy. <laughs> it was so hard. And so there is some experience to gain now. Yes. So that's what we're doing. First marathon is you've got to give yourself a speed limit and it has to be realistic. The slave magazine is closer to the double your half marathon and add 30 minutes. But I would still, I love their predictor. I think it's based in real world. It's definitely great. As you put in more miles, it does give you a faster result, which is nice. Yeah. And sports tracks is the one that you were mentioning that has the female versus male. And, and again, it's very it's much very like a first marathon mm-hmm. predictor, which I think, I think these first marathon predictors are great for setting your speed limit. Now, if you do this and if you set your speed limit at least through the half, I I might even say through 16 miles, and then you just start to pick it up, I think you can run faster than these predicted times. I think that if you try to do it the other way, you'll be at these times, you'll be right around these times or slower. Yeah. Like um, I really do. I've just seen so many bonks at the end of marathons. Right. Slate and then also 538 is another one that has a pretty conservative, I think it's better for the first um, so it currently with our like goal right now, if we were, you know, if, this, if we use that for our goal, we'd be at a 417. Okay. Um, and so, and that's on, but that's on average of 25 miles per week. Cause again, we're yeah. talking about kind of first marathoners and also yeah. where we're at right now, cause we're doing pretty low mileage right now. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so I think that if, so my first marathon, I took it out in a 203, I ran a 431. You can tell how much I slowed down in the back half. That's actually my slowest half marathon on my own was that second half of Marine Corps. Um, funny though, at Boston 2022, I ran a 432. So if you just look at my first and my most recent marathon, <laughs> I've gotten slower. <laughs> um, so have I. <laughs> so what's, what's really funny is, um, Based on based on what I was doing, my 17 miles a week, um, the Slate magazine gave me a 418. Had I set that speed limit equivalent to a 418, which I think is a 950, uh, somewhere around there, if I had set that at the beginning, I truly think I would have been closer to that. I I don't think I would have run a 431. I think I would have run a much stronger yeah. um, second half. This was also when we were doing minute walk breaks. So the intervals were a lot different. I think I was doing two or four and one, two and one, things like that. I think the 30 second walk break would have made me faster in my first marathon too. Yeah. Now, Oh, sorry. Well, I, was gonna, I was gonna say slate um, for me based on my first one. Um, my first. My first uh, marathon was 2014 Marine Corps, and I'm not sure how many miles a week I was doing, 20, 25 maybe. My PR at the time and a half was 154.29. And yeah, depending on what I choose for how difficult was the, I mean, it was Loudoun County half. It was pretty flat. Yeah. So I'm going to say oh, no, fast, I, yeah. I was going to say it's a fast course. So, and if I did, if I was doing 20, 25 miles per week. It gives you right about. 425, which, which is. I ran a 423. So yeah. So, so you can see how it's pretty good. how conservative it is, and I think in the marathon, Naomi has always respected the marathon distance more than I have, um, and <laughs> does not tend to go out like blazing fast. My race strategy used to be go out fast and hold on because that's actually what what I tell my swimmers. Um, in 
because here's the thing. It doesn't work in the marathon because the marathon is so long. But yeah. it does, when you're brand new to racing, it kind of does work a little bit. So it's not a horrible strategy in the 5K. It's not right. a horrible strategy in the 10K. Nope. It's not a horrible strategy in the 10 miler. Yep. Like to go out close to your 5K (laughs) pace in the 10 miler and just kind of hold on. It's not even a horrible strategy in the half marathon. Until about 10 miles, and then you're usually rethinking it. Yes. (laughs) In the marathon, it will kill you. It will destroy you. It will kill you. you. Now, that said, that said, my fourth marathon, when I broke four hours for the very first time, I ran a PR of a 151 in the first half. I looked at my watch and said, oh, shit. <laughs> That's exactly what I was like, oh, shit. But if I run a 2.09, I will be under four hours. So I intentionally slowed down, and I ran a 2.06, but that was so intentional. And, like, I even yeah. saw, like, my boyfriend at the time – I saw him and he's like, you're doing great. You're so, I was like, I was like, I've slowed down on purpose. I'm going to get this. Like I'm doing great. It was also a perfect weather day. 2014 was just like the best weather day. That was your first, That was right? my first. It was like when you look at all the times run that day compared to other years, like it was just a standout day. Um, and so when you get those days, I don't think the weather got, the temperature got over 60 or maybe 65 at the hottest. Like, I mean, I ran in short sleeves, shorts and tall socks or a skirt and tall socks. I hadn't yet developed or learned sparkle. So I used to run in those like Lululemon running skirts with the bike shorts underneath. Yeah. I've always been a skirt runner. <laughs> um, anyway, so it was a, it was just a great day. So weather matters more than course. I yeah. think. Um, So now, um, when you use these calculators, though, I want you to make sure that you're not using a race that's over a year old or a race when you were in prime fitness compared to your current fitness. You need to use something that's reasonable to your current fitness. It would be stupid of us, and this is actually how we started the year, to go, oh, we'll get right back into shape. I told Jeff, oh, yeah, just make us a plan for 340. (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not. It's not happening. It's I've not been where dealing with injuries. And actually, yesterday the SWAT podcast talked all about overreaching, right? Um, overreaching and uh, like, what, what were the words well, that they used? So there's overreaching that's um, like healthy, and then there's right. overreaching that's going to kill you. And <laughs> I think I I just redline it too much, and like I've just been like. And I am like, Megan, I have the inflammatory issues. I have like, you know, I'm dealing with this. And it's luckily at bay, I finally took started taking anti-inflammatories for it. But like this leg injury that like just won't quit. Yesterday, I wanted to run a second run so badly. I saw you did two miles, which is like, I'm like, if I could just be controlled enough to only do two miles, <laughs> like that would have been perfect. But instead, I was like, nope, I'm going to hop on the bike. The bike has been great. Um, apparently it all hits base for me. Like even if I yeah, do a same. Peloton workout, which is nice. So I'm like, okay, I can throw in these classes, oh, which is great. kind of fun. Um, it's like finally my like green bar on my, uh, on my Garmin is like stretching over like that yes, aerobic base. I was like, Ooh, this is like zone one. Like yes. the bike is for me. I just, yeah, I don't know why I, I wanted to bike this week, but I also was like, 
My foot doesn't it was so hurt. Pretty. Let it was me so get on. Pretty yesterday I know. too. Well, I was on the treadmill because oh. I had both kids at home, and oh. the reason I did two miles. No, if I was outside, I would have done more than two miles. But two oh, miles, okay. two miles on the treadmill feels like <laughs> a really long time. Yeah. But I literally had, you know, I had twenty minutes, and then mm-hmm. I had to get back to work. So yeah. I just, I it's tax season, it's crunch time, and so I had to literally just give myself twenty minutes, and that was it. The other thing when you're using these calculators, make sure you use a race that's a half or, or a 10, 10 mile or a half. Right. Don't Your put 5K in those 5K times. Not. Yeah, don't <laughs> put in those 5K times. Now, focusing on a 5K can definitely make you faster overall. And um, after this mountain speech season, we are going to be focusing on the 5K and focusing on shorter distances um, before we go into our next marathon cycle. Um you know, we're probably still gonna do long runs of, you know, twelve or so, but we're gonna really like kind of get some speed in there, um, speed, lower mileage, um, with a lot more base building or maybe not lower mileage, but maybe like some really fast and some still marathon pace. Cause I love, I love me some slow miles. All right. So cool case study though. Um, one more time with <clears throat> first marathon predictions, slate magazine, right? That gave me that 417 in twin in um f- or sorry that 418 in 2011 for my first marathon. Now my third marathon, my recent half was a 154, so I'm relatively in the same shape. You know, I 153, 26, 154, same, right? <clears throat> my volume was 20.25 miles over 12 weeks, and Slate predicted that I ran that I would run a 418.07, and my actual time was a 409. While other calculators were still predicting a 357. So that's how how much time I you can get better with experience over that first marathon predictor, but how much under you're still going to be from these predictors from, based on fitness alone without anything else. Yeah. So not the new runners world one, because that'll probably be more. The new runners world is much it's, better. This is the old. It's, but the um the other ones that are going to be kind of too too, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Too fast. Too com- confident for you. They're, you know what? So, they are based on purely th- uh, the body as a machine and the body right. is not it's a not, machine. That's not how it works. And so McMillan, Marathon Guide, hum- uh, Humphrey, Runworks, Dot. those are all, if you look at any of those, you're going to have like this, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to break whatever time. Right. And, and then you're going to feel confident to go out faster than the speed limit. Yes. Then you're going to bonk. Then you're going to hate the marathon. And then you're never going to want to do one again uh, until your friend says, and this is a true story, I crossed the finish line of my first marathon. And I said, I'm never doing that again, ever. Oh, I, same. I quit 100%. running. I quit running. I'm never doing this. And the worst thing is I had to, my mom had got me in a, got me a hotel room up uh, at courthouse. So I had to walk up and there were no cabs or anything. We couldn't get on the metro. I had to walk up the hill of Roslyn all the way up to Aww. courthouse yeah. to get to her hotel. And they like, our stuff was still in there and we were supposed to have a late checkout, but they weren't doing, it was, it was a mess. Thank God for my friend, Sonia, who came with me. She ran the 10 K and then cheered for me and it was awesome. Um, and she like stayed in my hotel room. It was great. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a lot. First marathons, you really have to be conservative with your goal. Your, you, your goal should just be out, go out there and have fun. But setting a speed limit is definitely something I regret. Something else about your not first setting marath- a speed limit, not yeah. setting a speed limit, <laughs> not setting a speed limit. Something else about a first marathon. I think you should, if you're running a big city first, and I think your first marathon should be a big city. I think it should be a Marine Corps, a New York, a Chicago, a Richmond. 
I don't think it should be a Mountains to Beach or a CIM or even no. a, I or don't like know about grandmas. You know, trail ones. Grandma's is a is pretty cool because it's point to point. Okay. It's not huge, but it's probably as big as Richmond as far as Okay, people. does it have 5, cheering? Five thousand people. Um, I'm trying to remember if they had much cheering. I don't think it had much cheering. I think your first marathon should have cheering. I really do. And spectators. I think you should spectators and your first marathon, you need to put your name right here on your shirt above your bib at bold some way because people need to cheer for you. You need that support. You should wear something flashy. Don't go out there just looking like a runner. Wear a sparkle skirt, even if you've <laughs> never worn a sparkle skirt before. Here's the other thing. You, however much fuel you think you need, you need to grab two or three more packets of whatever you're using and have that as well. You need to take your first fuel in the corral five minutes before the start and then your second one no later than 20 minutes after the race starts. I think a lot of us get very, very so excited about the race that we forget about fueling. And so I really think that first fuel needs to happen sooner. Um, my suggestion is also at every water stop, take both a cup of water and a cup of Gatorade. And if you don't take that cup of Gatorade, take fuel, um, take your own fuel with that water. Um, even if it's like one of the things I like to do with, with goo packets, um, I don't do it as much with Martin because it's easier to get down, but with goo packets is I have a goo packet for my water stops where I take just a sip a of my sip. goo packet. Mm -hmm. And this is outside of my fueling strategy, right? I take a sip of my goo, my goo packet so it'll last three water stops and I drink water. Now that goo is not part of my fueling strategy. It is literally just additional so I guess it is part of my fueling strategy, but I'm also eating the whole time because fuel, I mean, I, I truly think that the way that I fuel is why I don't bunk at the end of races yeah. because even, no matter how little I fuel in training or had fueled in training before on race day, I was like, I need all the calories all the time. I was, I'm just good at that. Um, and then my other suggestion is if you have a weird stomach at all, take, uh, and I mentioned it before, take a multi-symptom ammonium in the corral, have two or three with you um, on the course. If you start to feel the tummy stuff, like find a bathroom, take a bathroom break on the course. Those two minutes are so worth not pooping your pants. <laughs> um, and, and have that ammonium with you. Um, it's a great one. You could keep Tums with you. The uh, My other suggestion is at mile 15, take a gram of Tylenol, which is a uh, thousand milligrams. So that's two Tylenol extra strength. A lot of times there's a medic tent between yeah. 15 and 17. You can ask them for Tylenol. Do not take Advil during a run. Do <laughs> not take naproxen sodium during a run. NSAIDs and running are bad. Do not do it. <laughs> and there's a lot of reasons why. we That will be another episode maybe of why. Do not take NSAIDs during a marathon. There's a reason they have Tylenol on the course and not NSAIDs. There's cardiovascular risk. There's uh, It's an anti-inflammatory, so it's like actually undoing all of your strength. All your hard work. All yeah. of your hard work. when If you are not absolutely injured or like... NSAIDs it, should just not be used as teaches, liberally as we as we yeah. use them, but definitely do not take them during a hard effort. Um, 
it's just not, don't do it. I know and a lot of people are like, oh, I got my Advil for when it starts yeah. to hurt later. Don't do it. And don't rely on it during training. It will, you know, basically it'll <laughs> undo, it'll tell your muscles not to build back stronger right. the way they it, should be. So you'll lose some of the fitness you'll gains get, you're trying right. to get. You're going to get some aerobic capacity, but you're going to lose some muscle strength. Yeah. You're also, you're, you are also actually putting yourself in cardiovascular risk. Like yeah. there's, um, I, a lot of people don't remember this. I remember it because I was on Vioxx at the time. Vioxx was pulled from the market. Um, it was a COX-2 inhibitor, great for inflammation, pulled from the market because of cardiovascular risks, because um, anti-inflammatories are prescribed to older people. Older people tend to have more cardiac issues. Right. And what it does is it basically can cause, um, it, it changes the way the sodium channels and all of that. I, I don't know the exact mechanism, but basically it causes heart attacks. So just do yourself a favor. Don't take Advil during races. Um, Tylenol though is fine. Um, they give it out. Like I said, they give it out at medic tents. They'll mark, usually they'll mark a T. Don't on take your on yeah. your bib. Remember Tylenol is one gram every five hours. So don't take it from the medic if you just took it within the race. So <laughs> I like to save my Tylenol for mile 15. Um, and at Marine Corps every year, no matter how I'm feeling, I stop at Haynes Point and get my Tylenol. I think I did it once with you. My free, my free Tylenol. I'll have to see about doing it and see how it, how it makes me feel. I don't think I've ever done it. Maybe the one time with you. Yeah, I've done it at um, Marine Corps. I don't do it at every race, but like yeah. I, I will probably pack some. Oh, also for your pills. A contact lens case is a great oh, travel way, way. Travel way because so you got Tylenol on one side, and you know if your modium isn't in like the little packets, you can put it on the other side. But and yeah, it won't get, and it's it, kind of like dry. It'll yeah, stay dry. Yeah, that's really smart. Um, so yeah, I used to run with like a contact lens case in, in my little like back zipper pocket. Yeah. Um. So with the fueling. You know, the best thing to do is to set some kind of an alert timer. Yeah. So usually we set a 20 minute timer because I'm so bad, especially later in the race. I don't want to eat. It doesn't taste good. I just don't want it. So yeah, set that timer and and live by the timer. So every unless you're hungry, then eat again. But like when the timer beeps, like yes, I have to fuel even if I don't want my gel right now. Choke it down. Yeah. And. Well, and, like, that's one of the reasons we love the Timex Ironman Sleep yes. Watch. And we're not sponsored by Timex. I wish. <laughs> we love it because it's got the interval timer for our beeps. And we can you can adjust that interval timer to any random intervals you want. The shortest, though, is 10 seconds. Otherwise, it just kind of, like, continues to – it, like, gives you one beep instead of the, like, beep, beep. It gives you, like, just boop. And it's really hard to catch. So that's that's the one downside, but it's fine. But you can do shorter than the Garmin. Because yes. you're built in the Garmin. You're but you could do 15. 18. You, you could do, do 18. Random you numbers. can do random numbers, which is really great. And then it also has a, re- a repeating timer on it that will continually yeah, separate beep. Separate from in, the interval. Se- separate. That will continually beep in the background until you push the button. So it it's a different beep. And so we'll set that to 20 minutes and we'll set the, and then our, our intervals to whatever our intervals are. So then you're not having to count. You're not having to watch the time on the clock. The other thing I'll sometimes do is set the chrono and I'll, I'll lap on the chrono, although I never go back and look at it. So it's yeah. kind of dumb that I, 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 
What I've done more recently, though, is take the auto laps off my Garmin in cities and, and manually, at, lap. manually lap at the mile markers, although that would not have worked at Atlanta. <laughs> Jeff's no, race. and Atlanta was But Atlanta, Atlanta has great GPS. It was on. Like, we yeah. didn't have to worry about Atlanta. And then the other thing, too, um, you mentioned Gatorade, and I am I'm now not going to drink the Gatorade anymore at the races after two experiences that have yeah. turned my stomach. But... Um, there was a 2004 study that probably everyone's heard of by now of the swish and spit. So, and this was a, they used, it was cyclists in a time trial, 60 minute time trial, I believe, or there was a 30 out of 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they swished the gator in their mouth and spit it out and had the same or better um, reaction or improvement as if they actually had swallowed it. And basically, you know, scientists are now thinking that there are sensors in your mouth that are telling your brain that you're getting the glycogen, even if you don't get the glycogen to your muscles. That makes so much sense, though. Think about, yeah. like, you were talking about Endure. Yeah. And how only 25% of what we're eating is actually fueling our muscles because right. our muscles are are relying on their stores. But but the way that kind of works is our body – so our body stores glycogen in the liver. That's, the, that's one of the main sources of glycogen. And as we are burning in activity, your body is actually releasing glycogen from the liver into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then you're fueling and you're adding more glycogen into the bloodstream. So the higher level of glycogen in the bloodstream, the muscles are still using some glycogen stores, but they're also able to to add to those stores while they're using it. So that's what the glycogen in the bloodstream is doing. It's actually refilling the the stores in the muscles, and then the muscles are using what's stored in them. So when there's a glycogen depletion in the bloodstream, the muscles are using the glycogen stored in the muscles, and then they start to burn fat to release glycogen after. So that's after everything from the liver is gone. it's going to start burning fat and fat burns into ketones and ketones are also energy just like glycogen. Um, and the muscles can, you can like work off of that too, but only at a low endurance level. You can't right. do it at like a high super Not speed at, like, level. Race pace. And that's where all this like going into ketosis, this low aerobic base with ketosis, like, and there's a lot of, there are some studies about glycogen depletion training. They were all done on men. I tried glycogen Mm -hmm. depletion training early in what I was doing. Um, I would say what I thought was glycogen depletion improvements was low aerobic base improvements. That's it. Because once I started fueling, I felt better overall. And that's when I got fast. So, but, um, so I really think that you've got to be very careful when you listen to stuff about glycogen depletion or ketosis. I think fueling is better. Fueling is, fueling makes fast. Um, but there is no better training than low aerobic base. Like seriously, if you want to get faster, just getting a lot, like a high base volume. And like when I say high, I'm talking 30 miles a week. It's not that high. (laughs) That's about our high base. Well, and the other thing too is that even with all the studies and everything that we know about glycogen and our muscles and, you know, adding more as we go during the race, your muscles will still, there's this limitation that's just built into us. And so your muscles are still going to slow down and cramp up and later in the race, no matter how much you're taking in. And that's why, again, we have a speed limit when we're talking about marathons. Oh my gosh. So I just thought this is so random. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So 
we're talking about glycogen, we're talking about glycogen being stored in the liver. Generation UCAN was developed for children with a glycogen storage disorder. Did you know that? No, I didn't realize that. So I was like talking to, I was like, I was like, oh, was this developed for, I was talking to like a UCAN like rep and they're like, I was like, was it developed for kids with glycogen storage disorder? And they're like, yes. And I can't remember what it's, um, (sighs) yeah, what the initial, um, Uh, so what, um, yeah, so you can is one that supposedly it gives you the glycogen without any of the um, sugar crashing. Um, it's a rare amount. Uh, they're not able to store or break down glycogen in the form of sugar or glucose. So it affects the liver. And what happens is it depends on which kind of glycogen storage disease these kids have. But basically, um, the sugar, so their livers get really big because of this and so by using the simple starch the starches instead of glucose or sugar um they're able to like keep their blood sugar levels stable. updated and stable and, that's, and cool. that's where you can kind of came from but a, and that's why it tasted so bad at the beginning because <laughs> now apparently it's there i haven't tried it recently they really pivoted to like really be for sport mm-hmm. but that's why it was so gross at the beginning because it was a medical treatment that they were like oh this works for <laughs> athletics too and so they started to to um to market it for um for uh, sports, but one of the issues that I had first, like just kind of right up front with with UCAN was the people I knew that were starting to use it were people who were chronically kind of underfueled in their whole life. Yeah. And so they were like, well, this is the only thing I can use because I have problems with sugar. And here's something I've learned like retrospectively um, having had an eating disorder, still struggling with some body image issues and, and food in general, is if you think you have a problem with sugar, if your stomach hurts when you eat simple carbohydrates, rice, pasta, um, sugars, you should really be looking at overall how much you're actually eating because it, and it could really be that and you need to get real real with yourself. It could be that you are so chronically underfueled and and you do not have to look like you have an eating disorder to be chronically underfueled mm-hmm. that your body does not know what to do with these foods how to digest now, them now that you're getting them. So, if you're having a lot of digestive issues pop up recently, are you eating a lot more vegetables than you did in the past? And that's where, you know, like instead of carbohydrate, you don't have a problem with carbohydrate. You're just eating pre-poop. <laughs> like, you know, and, and so I really, like if you're really one of those people that says, oh, I can't fuel in these runs because they, it gives me stomach upset, it's probably that you're, you're under, under-fueled. And, and it's really, it's really, really tough, like, you know, because what we want our bodies to look like and how our bodies best perform aren't necessarily uh, in line with one another based on a lot of things, based on how we were brought up, based on um, diet culture, based on magazines, based on, you know, um, filters. Don't even get me started how much I hate. <laughs> I hate these oh face morphing, morphing filters because they are causing an unnatural, they're causing our children to have unnatural beauty expectations. Yeah. <clears throat> and and I I urge every parent out there 
to not allow these face changing filters unless they're the really goofy ones. But you have to be careful because a lot of like the pretty animal ones, they cause your chin to be too pointy and they make your eyes bigger. And that's like basically telling children this is what you should look like right. instead of what they actually look like. And it can be very, very damaging. Um, the journal did a whole episode, a whole like five part series on, you know, kind of the dangers of Instagram filters and it's funny because the, they came from Snapchat right yeah. Snapchat had mostly the funny filters right and then Instagram made all the pretty filters right and now everybody has the pretty filters but the pretty filters are the ones that are damaging they sure. really are um they really really are and like you know it's the ones that look almost normal that are the most damaging ones because they give that that unrealistic um, like beauty standard. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, body image as a runner, it's definitely something I had it on the list to talk about today. I wasn't, I didn't mean to jump into it right now. Um, we all like kind of know the right things to do. Um, and you know, sometimes we're even doing them, but like, how do you have that? How do you stop having that negative self-talk? How do you quit, you know, talking bad about yourself when you know it's an impulse you know and or it's a like jealousy of others is is a normal sorry is a normal human reaction when you know it, it's tough out there yeah <laughs> it's well, tough did a great thing about on jealousy you know she talked about it in her mm-hmm. book and like how yeah jealousy is I want that too and and yeah, and it can be, it can probably crop up a lot too, as we're talking about for your first marathon or your first, you know, couple yeah. of cycles of training and your body is going to probably go through some changes as you, you know, get stronger. I know looking back my first versus like, you know, once I was more seasoned, I didn't have any muscle definition in that first marathon. I look at those pictures, like it was just, you know, I was just who I was always before yeah. that. And so I really, my body changed throughout, you know. Um, the last 10 years of training well and it and it will but it's tough because you know you can't even compare your own body to what your own body was but it's also it's also tough when you know you're you're you know fueling right you're like running hard you're doing all the things like you like the changes don't happen overnight either um, it's, and you know. might gain weight during marathon training yeah. cycle. Like you're, you're not necessarily, you know, so there may be changes that you aren't sure that you're happy with, but you might be retaining a lot of water during yeah. marathon training. Well, especially if you are adequately fueling with carbohydrate, yeah. carbohydrates, uh, holds water. Yep. So you may be up like five pounds, go by how your clothes fit. <laughs> like that's but not even that. Like I'm, I'm on board with, um, the, you know, what you, what you said by the next size up. I'm yeah. like, I need just, to go do yeah. that with just, a lot of my clothes and just yeah. not worry about how my clothes fit because they're clothes that fit me Oh right, right. a long time ago maybe. And they're just, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you, buy some new clothes. Get comfortable with something it's, else. It's <laughs> get, tough get though. Like I say all that. I say like, get comfortable in the, in the body you have, honor the body you have. I say all that. Like I still have days oh, where yeah. I'm looking at like our old pictures and I'm like, I want to look like that again. So like, jealous of that. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, I just, and, like, and it's really hard to like, not have those talks. I like, I know I like will stop myself and I'll say, it's okay. That was the body I had then. This is the body I have now. Like, you know, all I can do is the right things to fuel my body and it may never look like that again. And I just have to be okay with it. Like I'm yeah. looking at the very first time ever, 
I'm looking at, like, even though I love, like, my sporty Jolyn bathing suits, we're going to the beach this summer with the family. And I'm like, maybe I'll get myself, like, a mom suit, like a somersault, like, <laughs> like kind of cutesy suit that's, like, not no, a bikini. I you say know? still wear the bikini. I'm team wear the bikini, even when you don't feel like you have the yeah. body to put in the bikini. But that's just because, again, like, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like... I totally get it because then I'll look at the pictures and be like, oh, I should have worn, I should have covered that up. But I want to just embrace that. I have, well, a, I have an almost 11 year old daughter and I want to like, that's why I've been getting like, you know, okay, build that confidence of, of your body. So that's why I've been looking at these suits because they're so cute. This they one are from so Somersault. I know. Like, I, I know. Think that, I think that one would look they're so cute. cute. Um, so Somersault has like the <laughs> cutest like mom suits. They don't look like mom suits. They're like, but they like will cover my, my cellulite on my belly that I'm self-conscious about, um, and still look super cute. What I'm worried about is that they're going to fall down. Oh, I don't like the high back. That's the problem. I have a good back. I want to show <laughs> my back off. So anyway, but they look really cute. Um, so I'm like, maybe I'll try something like that, but probably not. I'll probably just buy more Jolins because that's my, just what I do. So if I wear like the high-waisted, I'll feel like I would look pregnant because that's where all my, my oh, belly, yeah. where my belly, where it carries the fat, where I'm carrying it right now is where I'm, when I'm like six months pregnant and I literally, and it's half the time it's bloat, it's water weight, it's yeah. psych, psych, cyclical. It's food. <laughs> half the time it's food and half the time it's, it's my cycle. Yeah. Well, and it's also like your, once you have been pregnant, your muscles stretch out. And so like your natural state is stretched out versus, you know, you kind of have to work harder to hold it in. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just, uh, I just, it's a struggle basically. <laughs> basically it's, it's a struggle for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I, I will definitely say that if you are, if you're listening to this and you are someone who tends to think that you have a hard time digesting carbs or can't fuel the way that we're talking about, like really, really check in with yourself. Um, keep a food journal um, for a little bit and kind of see what does it look like? Are you adequately fueling? Um, I've never been a fan of my fitness pal in the past. My fitness pal links with Garmin now. And your Garmin activities load to my fitness pal. Mm -hmm. And I had started to do it to track my protein intake. And it's really cool because it will tell you exactly how much more based on your activity. Yesterday, so I, I did it for my protein for a little while. Then I stopped. I was like, I can't do this. And then I did it again like every couple of days. And yesterday with our activity, I was like, okay, I'm going to log everything today. Because I read in Jeff's book, so long story long. I read in Jeff's book that one of the ways, and this was in the 5K book, one of the ways that you can make sure that you're kind of um, like, you know, he says 75 calorie deficit a day is safe while you're training. But that's after your activity calories. And I was like, okay, hey, how do you figure that out? So a 75 calorie deficit, I had to eat 3,100 calories yesterday. Oh my gosh. And still like, yeah. it was like 3,190 is what I had to eat to be at a 75 calorie deficit for the day, which is intense with the amount of, of training. But I'm not sure I would have eaten that much had I not been tracking it. Right. No, which that's is, the thing too. Which is so. actually kind of cool. And then the other thing he said is eat every, within every two hours. Like take what you would normally eat as a meal and just like eat like a quarter of it. And then an hour later, eat a quarter. Like so 
So you're still eating the same volume, but you're eating literally no longer. Like don't go longer than two hours because at three hours, your body will start to absorb fat. I don't know where this science is from. This was just in his book. And I was like, huh, I don't know that this is true. Like I think our bodies are smarter than this, but let me give it a try. So like I spaced out my cookies yesterday. <laughs> and like I I threw, I mean, I always throw a protein shake in, but usually I have protein shake and cookies at all time. at the same time. And so I spaced it out yesterday and it's it'll be kind of an interesting experiment. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I think the main thing to come back to is that more and more studies now are showing that fueled equals faster. Yeah. You know, the more you feel healthier, you don't get sick as often. Right. And the, and again, back to that 25% that you said, so that comes from essentially, you know, every hundred calories you take in 25% are going to actually fuel your muscles, power your muscles. The other 75 are just generating heat and being wasted through basal metabolic rate. Yeah. And so what that tells you is that you do need to eat more. You need to eat more during activity, yeah. immediately after activity, before, if you're waking up, if you're a female especially, if you're waking up and going out for your run at 5 a.m. And so, yeah, nat- we both have our <laughs> Nature's <laughs> Bakery. Nature's Bakery should sponsor us. I know. These, um, are-, these are our pre-run fuels. I grabbed um, their pre-pod. pre-pod. <laughs> That's what I've been eating during the podcast. They're great when you're in the car or on the go. They're so delicious. <laughs> and... They're gentle enough to where I literally have grabbed it and eaten them in the first mile of a run. Yes, they're you can like they're you can digest so, them and they're they taste easily. so good. Yeah. Oh, you have raspberry too. So this <laughs> one is the oh, this is the fig oh, actually. Fig. I love the raspberry. It's my favorite. So these are I eat. Of course, Liz has the gluten free, and, and I, I eat the regular that you can find at like every grocery store. And the gluten free you can now too. Yeah, every you can find this at Safeway. I order mine on Amazon or Amazon or Costco in six packs. Like yeah, we get the big giant Costco boxes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and they're vegan, dairy-free, so, nut-free, and then the gluten-free ones gluten-free are ones also are also vegan, vegan so. which it's very difficult to yes. find gluten-free vegan stuff. Oh, for sure. Because a lot of times um, what they replace the gluten with is butter <laughs> to make it taste good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the gluten-free ones are, are also vegan, dairy-free, nut-free. Which makes them a nice snack to like give to to have on hand anyway. If yeah. you have, if you're ever around kids, because I don't think that there's anything kids are allergic to in them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're basically cookies. So know, they're delicious. <laughs> they're cookies, but they actually have a pretty good nutrition profile. They do. Like they've got six percent iron. They're um so. The, and the, the, um, it's the non-gluten-free has three grams of protein. Okay, so the gluten-free. So a, little bit, a little more protein. Okay, yeah. The gluten-free but, one has two grams of protein, 38 carbs, but only um, only 13 grams of added sugar. Everything else is natural sugar, which is good. Yeah, and so I'm trying not to make so much noise. <laughs> so the non-gluten-free, the regular ones, 37 grams of carbs, 19 grams of total sugar, four grams of fiber, and um, 14 grams oh, of added sugar. One more gram of fat in the gluten-free one. I told you they added it's, fat to make it taste good. It's some kind of fat. Yeah, to make <laughs> The gluten-free ones taste more like they're, like, flaky, like bakery, versus mm-hmm. the um, regular ones just literally are, like, fig newtons, but a little bit thicker. Um, and more like, um, it tastes like a whole grain fig newton. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, essentially, just fuel. So Yeah, eat, enjoy, <laughs> I think that, love food. That circles us back to first-time marathon mistakes. Uh, not fueling enough. <laughs> yeah, I would say not fueling enough. Um, other first-time marathon mistake in regard to food is coming back from your long run and not having something immediately. Yeah. And then kind of 
gout because there is an appetite suppressive effect of long oh, running. Yeah. I've run so too. One of the one of the ways to avoid that is to come back, think about your four to one carb to protein ratio, mix up a protein shake, grab a cookie, you're gonna be good. Um, I used to do a I used to do like this protein bar that I mean, this is before I was diagnosed with celiac disease. I don't even know if it exists anymore. The special special K used to make a protein oh, yeah. bar that I had it was cranberry and it was really good. Ten grams of protein, and I would have that with a Chobani yogurt. That was my four to one carb to protein ratio, um, because the Chobani also had some protein, but I like the fruit on the bottom, which is a lot of carbs. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I would always have that as like my when I did my legs up the wall. I was such a good little runner back in the day. I would do legs up the wall <laughs> for twenty minutes. To do. So I would like eat that while I was like laying down, doing my legs up the wall, and then I would go take my shower. Um, I'm just picturing you eating while laying down. This yeah. Is like- that's a feat right yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to eat a bar and, and yogurt, though. And I did legs up the wall on my bed. Like, that's how I yeah. did it, yeah. So that was my that was my little, like, yeah, I was such a good little runner. I don't do any of that anymore. I don't do legs up the wall anymore. I should, maybe. I know. I think we get a little complacent as we get more experienced. <laughs> yeah. but- Although I've been doing the recover. So I've been doing the calf um, recover, and it's been really good. I love the recover app. The I, recover like, app's really good. I don't have time to do it right after a run, so I love it. It takes me, it takes me like way less than 20 oh, minutes. same. Like, because I also <laughs> skip the foam rolling because I, I have a pounty guy. None of the exercises in there take me as long as they say. No. So if you're I also don't do three sets of 10. I just do 30. I do, like, I do the sets, but none of them take me as long. So if you're yeah, no rest. by the time where it says 20 minutes or whatever, don't um, don't freak out. And you yeah. can skip it. I don't do rest because a lot of them I'm switching. It's a different muscle group. So I'm not, mm-hmm. like, really resting between. So, yeah, try the Recover app. If you already pay for Strava, um, then yeah. you have it for free. It's super. It's the best. And if you're not paying for Strava, you should. And you're a runner, it's, you should. It gives best. you great analytics. Um, it gives you probably better data than Garmin does. And I mm-hmm. love Garmin. Like, I love my Garmin. (laughs) Like, my Garmin is, like, the best. Yeah, it's another appendage. Um, I mean, if Garmin did temperature sensing overnight, I would not not have this ring. Yeah. Um, So, Garmin, get on it. I want temperature temperature readings overnight, please, so that um, it can help track my cycle because that would be amazing. And then I would not need to wear this ring as well. Um. But yeah, but Strava is just, it's an incredible social media platform for athletes. It's, it's very, very cool. I love it. I also wish Garmin integrated with Peloton. They don't. Apple Watch does. I was like considering getting an Apple Watch. Just just, for the Peloton. Just for the Peloton. (laughs) Such a weirdo. But, ah. But Strava does. So Strava does. And I figured out what to do. So I wish that there was a way to like tell Strava to match my Garmin data because I go into Garmin and I like type everything in from Strava when I do the Peloton. So it still counts for. But it's like all this manual. uh, But it's manual entry. And I tried to get the Garmin sensors for the Peloton, um, but I couldn't set them up to work because I wasn't moving outside, I think, or I don't know. so I have my Garmin sensors on the Peloton. I just need to, I need to just go put them on my bike. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that is what it is. So hopefully you're, if you are listening and you're interested in setting a time goal from your, for your first marathon, 
don't. So speed limit. <laughs> we can help you do that. Um, reach out if you are coming back into marathoning and you want to know kind of what's realistic for your fitness. More than happy to help you um, figure that out. Um, or if you um, have any questions, you know, I love the marathon. It's my favorite distance. Um, I've written lots of course-based pacing strategies too. Um, findmymarathon.com has a great course-based pacing strategy thing. So I usually base that, base it off of that, but I tend to prescribe a more conservative start, um, than they do. I really, my best marathons, I took them out very, very conservatively. And the one time I didn't, I like made up for it by taking a potty break and that was my BQ. So uh, or my my PR, my most recent PR. Yeah, and we, we just were talking before. I know we've got to wrap this up, but we were talking before about that. And my my first marathon, like we said, was a 4.23, and, you know, I had, which kind of works on those predictive models on slate. Yeah. And um, at the time, my, my half was a 1.54. I probably, in my mind, thought I'd be a lot closer to four hours than I was. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how you feel. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, sure, of course, I'll be able yeah. to do that. So the next year, especially when everybody tells you that, like, you're so amazing for breaking two hours. (laughs) So I definitely probably took it out in, in more of a, like a 205 to, you know, my first half is probably a 205, 208 or something in that range. Um, and then I probably thought it'd be like a 410 or something. And then my, then the second, the next marathon cycle next year, I was injured and it was Marine Corps again. And I took it out in, in 11s for the first five miles. And so those first five miles, I was running in the 11s. I had zero time goals that day because I was in, it was in, I was in bad shape. And, um, I ended up finishing in a 426 and I was like in shock that I finished just three minutes off the year before when I literally started out two minutes per mile slower probably than that year. So, um, all right. right, So you first. so Naomi ran a 201 for her. For the first half of her first marathon. So bad. And a 423. So yep. that means she ran a 222 back half. Yeah. Uh, or 221 because she was 401 or 201 55. See, that's. And then, and then the, look at the following next year, year in 2015. See, I, so I took it out in 915 pace. She that ran year, a 211 right? first half and then a. Four. Uh, 426, so, so that's a 215. It's a much more even split. You can yep. see taking it out easier definitely matters. So we, we can then go look at uh, my 2013. Uh, my 2013. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. My 2013, I took the first half out in oh, 202, 202 and then finished in a 409. So, so it's a 207. Yeah. Um, and then let's go to Which 2014. Again, Marine Corps is a difficult back half. So. Uh, to 20, first yeah. time I broke four hours. A 151.13 due to a watch malfunction. And that was my PR half marathon for a very long time. <laughs> and that was a PR at the time. Uh, to a three three fifty seven, which is a two hundred six back half so or two hundred five fifty something, almost the same back half, um, different pacing as the as the, the year half. before, and that's actually yeah. why I knew I could do that back half. You've done it the year before because I had done it the year before, and so I knew intentionally. And you can see, yeah, you an intentional. Is very doable. You can see an intentional slowdown 
right to nine from a nine flat to a nine twenty nine twenty five. Like I did intentionally slow down the the second half. Right. I like it. It was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. Then, it's um. So and then really, my you, super you sad. My soon. super sad four hundred one. I was so sad about this. I ran a very conservative one fifty four. And then ran a four hundred one. Yeah, and so it's you still, so you're still two hundred five back, back half. So essentially, yeah. yeah, you can't take it out too slow. Like that's what we are. Yeah, coming around. You to. really, really can't. And if it's your first, second, or like when then your first, second, third marathon, you really need to um, step away from time goals and or yeah. and, and take it out slower than you think. And then even for experience, like you know, we're gonna. Make sure we're practicing what we preach, and even as experienced marathoners. Now, this one's pretty great. A 208 front half at 13, and then I finished in 410. So a 201 back half. And the reason I did that was I was pacing people to, I wanted to pace them to a 440, and they insisted on a 420. They insisted on it. And I was like, okay. And at mile 12, they all dropped off, and I was like, fine. <laughs> and so I just ran by myself the rest So you of the negative way. split that because day. They, and that was my very first negative split um, is in 2015. And that's what started me. And that was October of 2015. And that in 2016, I did like the year of negative split racing. Yeah. Um, which I was an intentionally slow first half of every race. And then the back half, I started at 8.50 and then tried to go down 10 seconds a mile. Um, in every race I did. And that practice, like, let you, it taught you and has, has, yeah, and has led you to I can finish a race like nobody's business. You know, I was actually thinking about that at Jeff's race. And this this is going to be a long episode. Um, (laughs) I was thinking about that at Jeff's race because we were, like, in the park, and it was slightly uphill. And, like, we come down that, and, like, the whole race, I was like, oh, my gosh, Naomi, I'm holding Naomi back. I'm holding her back until we got to the park. And I was like, I was like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I was like, we got this. Like, because I felt that, like, ending, like, kind of finish happen, you know. And it's like, like, that that is such a fun practice. It's expensive <laughs> because you have to pay for all the races. <laughs> but it's really fun to just kind of and- go out slow and then finish it fast. And so. doing it in a race because doing it in so yeah going out and doing you know all your training runs a little slower than you think starting out slower fine that's great that's easy yeah that's what we all aim to do is make sure we're starting our you know runs slower or we're warming up blah 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 going and doing it in a race is so difficult yeah because everybody's like going out hard you, you really it, have to like find to a buddy crowd. it does not you, you have cannot. to find a slower buddy to start with. Right, That's, or set some kind of, yeah, set some kind of intentional, very you yeah. know, very slow speed limit that's slower than you believe you can do or should yeah. do. <laughs> Something that you that sounds ridiculous, like 11-minute miles when you're thinking, and then you end up running, you know, 9, 15 is the back half or whatever. So right. pretty cool. Let's see, what did I do with Jess? Oh, with Jess, we did a 204 and a 209 total. So it was like a 204, it was, 205. It was like pretty even split, like... It was pretty even split. That's pretty good. So when I paced Jess, I ran a, I ran a, I ran a lot of four oh nines, four tens. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> but they were usually ones I thought I was gonna go under. This was a really hot day. Yeah, um, twenty seventeen Marine Corps. Up oh, with that bark! It's time to go. <laughs> it was a really hot day though. Um, anyway. 
Uh, thanks for joining us on this pod. Hopefully you learned about setting your marathon expectations and uh, reach out if you have questions. You can reach out to rungallowaygirls at gmail.com. Yay. You can also shop to support our podcast at rungallowaygirls.com slash shop. We have a couple of merch items that are direct ship. If you pre-ordered merch, all of our shirts have been ordered and they will be made this weekend. So we're Yay. so excited um, to get that going. And yeah, it's going to be super fun. Um, and then you can also support the pod by shopping at Beauty Counter, beautycounter.com slash Girls. So those are our three promos. Uh, if you made it this far, thank you. We love you. Thank you for um, listening or hanging and, there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>